0: Hello and welcome to episode 117 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant, and I show service-based businesses how to define and grow their business through their brand. And today I'm joined by Eleanor Meyerhofer, A first-face website designer and digital strategist. Thank you so much for joining me today, Eleanor. I'm
1: happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So today, listeners, Eleanor and I are going to be talking about launching a new website. Websites are one of the most common marketing platforms for any type of business and are usually built as kind of the hub or the shop window to your products or services. And when we launch a new website, it's a golden opportunity to really focus and direct our marketing efforts to gain attention of our audience and showcase what we're really all about. So today we're gonna talk about how to do that effectively, things to consider before and after launch, and then just a little bit around how to keep your website in tip-top condition for the future. So Eleanor, you're perfectly placed to help with this. Um, I'm really, really keen to dive into your expertise. So let's start right at the beginning around why is it important to consider how we launch our new websites? Do you mean like how how we go
1: about the process of launching them or that we launch them? Kind of
0: like when we have a new website, There is that opportunity there that around the launch of it, we can really bring a lot of attention to it. It can be a really good place and position for us to kind of market our business and give it a little bit of a push. So why is it important to consider kind of how we launch it? Or do you feel that it's just it's fine just to put it out into the world? Well, I think it's it's a good conversation to have like in just generally the, the
1: whatever marketing you're doing to mention, you know, that the new site is coming. And I mean, obviously it sort of have a different angle if you're just launching a site and you don't have one or if you're doing a relaunch. But I actually think nobody really cares or your audience probably doesn't care. It's more about how you're gonna use that website and what kind of content that you're gonna put on that is more on it that's more interesting to your audience. So, you know, I think when you're in the process of launching it again, mention it, but I actually have a, I send out a, I have a post, but I send it out as part of my offboarding process, like five things to do after you launch. And I actually suggest and maybe jumping ahead, but the first thing you do is not do a huge fanfare, but like do a friends and family round. So before you like jump up and down about it, but I think it's more, like I said, it's like the content and whether that's visual content or written content, that's going to be much more interesting to your audience. But of course it's a good opportunity to, you know, post on the socials and let everybody know, and there should be probably a week of that, of you know, new website, check this out, check that out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned there that, that you should launch it with kind of a close, almost like a closed group first, like friends and family. Why do you recommend doing that?
1: For starters, a lot of the clients I work with, I mean, for some people, there's kind of two different people, people that are like, have no problem being out on the stage. And for other people where this is, you know, <laughs> a BFD, as we say in the States, big fucking deal. And they're, they, it's hard for them to promote themselves basically. So sending it out to your family and friends, I think does two things. First, one of the things I suggest you do is kind of tell people, everybody, you know, but you can also say like, I just got this out. You know, I don't want any, any spinach in my teeth. If there, if you see a typo, let me know. So that's sort of a psychologically easy way to get yourself out there. It's also effective if you're like, you know, have little things you missed. People owe it. Even if you triple check, there's going to be things you missed, so they'll find it. And then I think once you take that initial step, it's easier to go out to a more... A public audience after you've done that.
0: Interesting. So when it comes to actually the campaigns around launching, because I see this all over the place and it's something that I tend to encourage my clients to do when they're doing their branding. It's like, hey, there's a new brand coming, kind of leading up to it with tidbits and information and things like that. So is that something that you think is beneficial when you're launching a new website or... Well, you said something key there, which is a brand. So I think, the
1: you know, I specialize in doing these one-day websites with a mini brand. So usually people that come to me, they often have nothing. So it's not like there's a new brand that they're working on. And if they're somewhat established and they are doing a rebrand, mm-hmm. then I would drip that content out beforehand, for sure. Like, you know, if you've got a new photo shoot, like sneak peeks of the photo shoot, and I would definitely whet your audience's appetite for what's to come. So that would be one approach if you're doing the branding. If you're just kind of getting started and don't have anything, you could probably do the same thing if you're getting a brand shoot or, you know, you might not have much more to share than like photographs at that point. But, um, and you should certainly talk about it. But I think it's going to be a bigger lead up if you're doing
0: a rebrand. Okay, cool, cool. Because, yeah, so I see a few where, especially where it's... um kind of businesses that have had that big growth spurt in their first year where they kind of maybe had a bit of a DIY website to start with and then they've worked with a professional designer who's created something that's all singing all dancing like absolutely glorious and are it almost feels like it is an event for the business or can be considered an event for the business to kind of have that level up so visible yeah. within the world. So yeah, I guess it's just kind of like maximizing if they wanted to maximize on that opportunity of, hey, we've got this new website coming, it's launching on X, Y, and Z days, whether, yeah, that side of things and how to promote that to your audience.
1: I think sneak peeks can be powerful. Like and everybody loves to see behind the scenes. So what I did, and I, I had no big strategy. I just hung up my shingle. I threw up a Squarespace template because I just needed to get going. And then I knew, you know, I'll like redesign this and do all this stuff. And so I would just literally, while I was like writing my about page, just take an Instagram picture of my screen. Like I'm working on my new website, but that was about it. But I think those can be interesting because they're a little more real and unpolished and show the process. But ultimately, yeah, I just, I always think, you know, with my audience, my approach is always the what's in it for me. And my website launch is just not going to be as exciting to them as it is for me, I think.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I hadn't really thought about it. I guess it's because from my perspective, it's an opportunity for your community to kind of celebrate with you that you've kind of invested and you've made this change and this next step with your branding. But yeah, I guess at the end of the day, your, your website is there as a, a, it is there for your audience and for your potential customers to get and gather the information that they need as opposed to being, I, I wonder, I think that I'm, I'm kind of approaching it from the fact that of a website being like a marketing platform as opposed to being like a practical platform. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I, I guess I just always thought of it from that marketing perspective.
1: <laughs> Which I, it absolutely is. I think of it more of, and I guess it just depends on the person. Yeah, on the business. Absolutely, afterwards. I mean, mm. because when I did my relaunch and when my clients have their relaunch, everybody, especially, I cannot stress enough, if you invest in really good photography. Yes. The <laughs> perception of your business changes so dramatically. Even if nothing's actually changed in your business, people see a nice professional looking website and see like, wow, you're really doing it. So I, I mean, I, and that is definitely something that comes with like the big splash and all of that.
0: Okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit around the content of the website. So when it comes to what, from the base level, what would you say are absolute non-negotiables when it comes to what you need to include in your website to make it easier for your clients?
1: So I specialize in like minimum viable product Um Websites, so I always tell people you need a page, and about page, a services page, and you know you need all the legal stuff. But that's that's really all you need to get started. Yeah, there are those three things I think. And I am a big, big. Advocate of blogging, so I have a blog. It's it's not for everybody, but I I just think in this day and age you need to do some kind of content marketing. And I mean, some people do it all with social, and God bless. But the people I work with, even for your clients, and I tell people if you're not going to do a regular blog, it's fine. Just call it articles. Just call it resources. But put some kind of thought leadership on it. And you don't have to do that right away before you launch. But I I would say long term you should have a little something beyond just those three core pages.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to services and buying online and everything like that, is that a process that you walk your clients through? Do you go through kind of the buyer's journey of when they land on your page and they want to purchase a service from you? Here are the best ways of positioning that so that they can get in touch as easily and quickly as possible. Do you recommend booking online?
1: Yeah. I, the way I really approach it though, is from like client readiness. If I have a client and they just need to get something and get out there, I want to make sure there's not that many stumbling blocks. So some clients will come to me, they have their acuity or calendly or it all set up. They have their pricing, they have their thing and it's fine. You know, we put their, and it depends client to client. We'll put their services on. We'll put the pricing on. We'll put the booking on. It's done. And some have not been doing it this way. I just worked for an executive coach and she's a very impressive client roster, but she's like all referral based people, executives fly her to places to coach them. She's not like doing the book, a discovery call and let's talk thing. Mm. And in her situation, that might come in the future, if that makes sense for her business model, but she was also just getting comfortable with technology. I mean, I, I don't want to say just getting comfortable with technology, but like she'd never used the scheduling tool. Yeah. And in some cases it can get very complex if you're selling a package. So that's a whole exercise right there. And she just needed a site yesterday. So I was like, you know what, we're going to put your services on. We're going to talk about them and we're going to do everything through a contact form. And then when it gets painful, you'll know you need something else. So I really, I don't have a hard rule on what you should have. It's more I assess the clients where they are, and then make a suggestion for what they need to get started.
0: Okay, interesting. That's really cool. So, do you find that do you work with like a range of product and service based businesses? Do you find that there are core differences between the two?
1: I mo- I think everybody I've worked with has been a service based business or a nonprofit or a consultant. So, I used to have an e-commerce business. And it is a different beast. It's it is a it is different. And I didn't really, I mean, I my target market I always kind of described as small businesses, but now that I think about it, they're all services. So, and maybe eventually they will have a product or a couple of products. Like, I mean, if somebody's going to have a membership, I guess you would consider a membership a product. Like, you, these kind of also get a little fuzzy. What is a product and what is a service? But yeah. I would
0: say services. So when it comes to the structure of the website, one of the key points from when you're launching a website, I would say is that, that sometimes that would be the first point of contact that someone has with you. It's landing on your website and then having to navigate through, find the information that they might not even know what they need to know from you or what they want to know from you. So do you have any tips that you would be happy to share on the way that we structure the information on our website so that it makes it easy for people who are just discovering us to find what they need and flow through the site
1: yeah I mean I use the standard you know main navigation you know everything's there but I always generally especially if the site's a little bit bigger use the home page as sort of a series of doorways into other parts of the site so you know you have your hero or banner at the top telling people you know who you are, what you do, who you help, how you help. And then I will have all the things you'd expect, social proof, but I'll have a doorway, you know, I'll have a a summary block into my blog or I'll add a portion, like a little teaser for an about me for somebody. So you can go on there and go directly to the page from there. So somebody could scan the homepage and basically have access points to all other parts of the, the website from there. Usually, I mean, if anybody looks at their analytics, the biggest hit, and it's not always the best thing, but usually most people are arriving at your homepage.
0: Yeah, I would say that. I think the only other one that I tend to navigate to from the way that I use google I guess I don't use any other search engine like I don't know anyone who does anymore but if I'm googling someone and I'm trying to find their business or their website occasionally I'll click straight onto either their services or directly onto their about if they're at the yeah. top where they've got the yeah. additional links there but otherwise I feel like we always link to our home page so I guess having that on the home page like you were saying that banner at the top where it's very clear about who you are what you do and who you I don't like saying who you serve, but who you kind of, the people, the ideal clients that you're looking at attracting, that kind of helps them to understand that they're in the right space. Right. And then when we're talking about your website being part of like a wider marketing structure, Are there any key elements or any ways that you would recommend that we move the website and how we can move people from website to other marketing platforms for our business?
1: I'm always telling people to not let people go
0: away (laughs) from the website. Awesome. Let's talk about that.
1: (laughs) I mean, obviously I have my bias as a web designer, but I just feel like almost not a day doesn't go by that. I like, don't tweak something on my website. And that is the only thing I have a hundred percent control over. I mean, or 99.9% control over. And I feel like on my website, I can talk to people where I want to talk to them, tell them where to go cross link to things. I want them to see surface things. And so, and every, the, the, my website is the source of everything. So every bit of content that i spread across other platforms it starts at my site so i'll take i'll write a blog post and chop that up and put it on linkedin and little bits on instagram so i don't really want people to spend a lot of time i'm trying to get people to the website not trying to get them off of it because everything off of it is already on the site and like my portfolio so that's a big thing if you're a designer you know, and I just realized I don't have an access point to my portfolio on the homepage. So they will to do tomorrow.
0: <laughs> it's today's tweet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, I, I can put bits and pieces of that on places, but it's not like right there where you can quickly access it. And that's, those are things I want to drive people to. I do have, you know, I have an Instagram feed and I have a LinkedIn logo at the, you know, icon at the bottom, but it's not that is they are not like the most prominent pieces. I really want people to read my blog.
0: Okay, cool, cool. So when it comes from the other side of that, so you you want to get people coming to your website, which I think a lot of people can relate to because it's the platform that we own. They're more likely to convert into clients if they've got all of the information and everything there. And it is kind of like you were saying, it's like the hub of what our business, our online presence is. How do you like to move people from wherever they are to your website? Like, Do you seem to have specific areas where people easily flow through to your website because with social media you're kind of left with oh here's a link tree or here's a link to my website how do you move them through this is why I think
1: blogging is so great but let me back up if I can because I actually have a good counterpoint to your the example I gave to your last question about getting people to yourself. so okay I was telling you know talking about example, that's very specific to me, but I had a client who her, she had a consulting business. She has a consulting business. It's pretty successful. She's got it on autopilot. She wanted to get off WordPress. And she's like, you know, we did a strategy session. She does a lot of publishing on LinkedIn, a lot of content. And she was sort of like, should I blog? And then then what do I do? How to? she, she didn't want to redouble her content production uh, efforts and she really but she didn't want to take them off linkedin either because she was getting so much success. Mm-hmm. So she's a total opposite case. Where I said let's not reinvent the wheel and I cannot remember the tool but I pulled I found some tool and we just made a one page site and pulled all of her linkedin feed onto the homepage cuz she wanted to drive people to linkedin cuz she also hosted a community group that was like on linkedin. So I don't want to say like don't ever it does depend on your situation. So, um, and that was all front and center. So back to your next question, which was blogging and why it's good. And how do you get people to go to your site? How do you get people to go to your site? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, this is why I, I personally like blogging because all you do, all you can, you could just all day answer questions. Like I always think like I think I've answered every question that could be answered and but no there's a new one there is a new thing you can write about that you didn't think about and they're really great in things like Facebook. Um so I'm in you know as probably you are in several communities. And this is not like why I do it, but somebody I'm in a group of a local group of um entrepreneurs in here where I live in Munich and I'm big on LinkedIn and they, somebody, one of the administrators of the group said, you know, after Facebook went down and Instagram went down it got us thinking we have a page on LinkedIn, but we haven't really been doing it. I have a whole quick and dirty loom video I made, like showing people how I do LinkedIn, which is based on a course I took. And I, you know, tran- made a transcript and I have a blog and also people were asking me, that's why I made this video. So I can just say here, go to my blog post about this. And I don't I'm not spamming. I'm not being marketing. It's not by my course. It's not anything. It's just like I have a resource that I created. Check it out. And then people will go there. And then, oh, like, you know, people that didn't know me will see my website and they'll see other content. You can design all of it so that, you know, it keeps feeding you related articles and all this stuff and the sidebar and all this stuff, which I still also have to do. But um, that is my favorite tool for doing it because. Obviously, as a business, I have to promote myself. I have to drive traffic to my blog. But I really don't like, and I think those people don't like to like, you know, buy my stuff, go to my site, like, I have to feel like there's some reason that people would motivated to look at it. It's a great tool for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I really love your approach that it doesn't necessarily have to be called a blog. You can call it like resources or articles and answering those questions and doing it in different ways as well. Like I'm a huge advocate for repurposing content. So having a video and then having that transcript and then having the kind of accompanying post and everything, I think is just such a helpful way of positioning our content. Because like you said, at the end of the day, like if you help someone they're more likely to refer you for what you actually do even if you help them with something that was completely irrelevant for them for what you actually do right let's talk a little bit around some more of the practical sides of um when it comes to launching a new website and so some of the things that I've got written down here is how do you make sure that when you're ready to push that button and go my website is live whether you're launching it to friends and family or whether you're launching it out into the world or whether you're just sat there staring at it for the next 24 hours hours just in case what kind of things do you have like a checklist that you run through or you would recommend people run through and what what kind of things are on that
1: well there's like basic things you have to give her so I have a when I do a launch in a day I have a whole asana template that's like all the things we have to go through so there are basic things like an seo checklist that's just you know that your page titles and your website titles are as as optimized as you can make them then there's things like you have to have all your legal text you have to i mean i don't know how granular you want to get you know transferring your domain uh make sure that it's that your http is secure obviously typos and stuff should be dealt with one of the main, just kind of things you need to consider, but you're, I mean, I guess if you're DIYing is your images should not be too big. Like keep all your images under 700K um, else your website will be too slow loading um, and you'll get dinged for that in Google. Um, There's a lot of settings around location that you should have set up. Also, if you're a brick and mortar business, you, I know you can do this on Squarespace and I'm sure you can do it on WordPress and other platforms. But you can usually tie in like Google My Business or Google Business with it. I usually don't do this for most of my clients because they're not ready. But if you are comfortable with things like Search Console, Google Search Console to check your analytics, you can do that. You know, if you do want to hook up your socials, have those hooked up. That's kind of the pre-flight. That's like a just off the top of my head, the pre-flight list. Yeah.
0: Yeah no that's awesome and when it comes to things like the legal documents and the um making sure that your site is secure the security side of things is the SSL certificate is that right right yeah right so how would and I don't I just want to make sure that anyone who's listening who's just like what are you talking about um with SSL certificates my experience is that you can have those through whoever it is that you're creating the website with so I tend to build with to show it and you can submit and they sort out your SSL certificate for you is that kind of the same with you in squarespace is just a little button that you go like https perfect yeah yeah and that's just a, so that instead of having the http you've got the https which just shows that the website is secure isn't it yeah and if you don't in the browser it'll say not secure
1: oh and here's one thing that is very important that i see so many people don't do a browser icon a browser icon that's like whenever I see that, I like amateur. You got spinach in your teeth. So it's I even on LinkedIn I have a, a tutorial for it. It's the little thing when you're in Chrome or Explore whatever Safari whatever you use. That's like it can just be an initial. It can just be your whatever a little logo, but that it isn't the Squarespace cube or the WordPress W or whatever. Because if you don't do that. It's, it just, you know.
0: Yeah, up on the tab, isn't it? On the tab, yeah. so you can see a little icon that's related to your brand. Is it Favicon? It's Favicon. Some people in
1: Squarespace, Squarespace, they will call it browser icon. And I think it's just like a 16 by 16 pixel thing that you can do it in Canva and just upload it in the place, but just do that. <laughs>
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, as someone who chronically has like 20 different tabs open at any one time, those little icons are so helpful. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just I saw I was on a website. It was the woman who did the Obama's portrait, very talented artist. And I wanted to check out her site and it had the square space. I, I almost heard her said, girl, you gotta take that off. But I didn't.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? You could <laughs> So one of my biggest bugbears, whenever I have launched my own sites, let alone like my clients, I feel like I'm a little bit more meticulous, but with my own websites, kind of not so much. I get too excited to get it out there. But when it comes to link checking and making sure that everything's working the way that it needs to, yeah. do you have an approach that works? Because this is something that I just, I start systematically. And then because the links are going off into different places I either lose my space or I get bored, quite frankly. Do you have like a process that you recommend that people do when it comes to link checking or do you recommend getting someone else to do it? Delegate that out?
1: <laughs> you know, I um, the sites I built in to be so small, I just have a process. That's like a step in my process is like go through every page and check the links internal and the external, but there's usually not that many external links. I'm sure my site is full of broken links. And to be quite honest, you bring up a very good point. And th- there's tools for this. I know there are where you can just run. I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but I, and you can run your site through something that'll check all your broken links. And I should probably do that after we finish recording. This. Yeah, it's
0: on my list as well now. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I do one of these episodes, I end up with an action list of things that I need to do that we've been talking about. So yeah, yeah. there's a whole bunch from my site that will be coming up. Cool. I think the next question that I'd love to talk, which is kind of a nice segue from broken links, is what to do if things do go wrong when you launch your website. So if you launch your website, tell everyone it's out there in the world, and then someone hits you up and is just like, "Oh hey, this thing doesn't work, or this page doesn't load, or anything like that." What do you recommend they do? Is it worthwhile? Just kind of yeah, I I don't really know. What would you recommend? How do you Manage that kind of thing where stuff goes wrong with your site.
1: I mean, the short answer is you just have to fix it as soon as you can. Typical things, the most, the most thing that always like trips up, like that I always worry is not going to go right in a launch is moving over a domain from like a not from some weird provider. So if somebody, you know, if they don't have a website, I'm always just like just buy it with Squarespace. It just makes everything a thousand times easier. Or Uh, you know, GoDaddy, whether you love them or hate them, it's like so easy. But every now and then I'll get someone. I had one who was on Deutsche Telekom and just getting this domain moved over was a nightmare. And it took a week and we had to talk to 25 different people and it was in German. So that is a frustrating thing. And you can launch with a temporary domain, but it's sort of not great, but you can do it. Other things One of another thing that can be a little if you have like a redesign and you have an old site to make sure that your old site everything is pointing to the new site. So I did one site and her site, you know, you we still called had the same page names, but some of the in Google the old website was coming up. So we had to make sure that that domain provider was literally all the redirects were going to the right place. So that's one thing. And that's not always straightforward. I really do prefer to work with people that have no website because all that stuff is just like, oh, right, the old site, I got to go through all this thing. I mean, depending on the client, some are more technically proficient. And like, especially if you have like a a huge blog, you know, I'm like, you're going to have to redirect all these posts or just do one major everything on the old site just goes to your homepage. But so you have to have a redirect strategy. Those are kind of the more typical things that go wrong.
0: With the redirection stuff, if someone isn't working with a designer or a website professional and they are trying to mull through it themselves, is that something that they can get in contact with their new website host? Would they be able to help them with it or? Usually
1: not because that's not like their job basically. But like I, I know all my examples are Squarespace. It's there's a place that you go in the back end of your website, and it's pretty well, it depends. It's actually hard, and I get people will get stuck. So if you are if you switched hosting providers, the hosting provider you can just have them do one blanket redirect if you have a different domain, and they should do that for you. But if you have a bunch of different pages, you're going to have to submit something like a, either a list of URLs with pointing to the correct URL. And sometimes if you rename pages on your own site, you're going to have to redirect those internally. And in Squarespace, there's a little place where you just put the URL that slugged the second part of the URL and a little kind of arrow, like hyphen and carrot symbol to the new name it's a little bit technical there are some but this is like where you're gonna have to really sharpen up your google and
0: youtube skills
1: and just <laughs> do it or go to upwork and get somebody to do it for you
0: yeah that's a great point and I think that anyone who's out there who's like I don't I'm kind of in that space where I'm DIYing it for cost reasons but equally I'm out of my depth yeah places like upwork can be a great solution provide you know, do your own research. Make sure that you're getting someone who you're comfortable with, all the rest of it. But there are sites out there where you can hire someone to help you specifically with these individual things, aren't there?
1: And I think it's the tricky part. And I, told, I'm a full advocate of what you're saying. I used to have a Shopify site, and I'm pretty technical, but I was, I did not know Liquid. I couldn't do custom things. And I found a guy, you know, on Upwork, and he was great. And then he was in London, and he was reliable. I think the trick is for people. Sometimes you don't even know what you need yeah and like somebody should start a business when someone's like not technical and says this is happening and the person just says oh you need this find somebody and just say this and get somebody to do that like they just need an intermediary to tell them what they even
0: need you mean a human google
1: yes <laughs> 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 yeah you should, that's it to do after this call um
0: register humangoogle.com. a hugel if you yeah. will yeah <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we've talked about kind of the lead up to the launch, we've talked about what the website needs to have at launch and we've talked around kind of managing some of the mo- more common things that trip people up. But when it comes to the launch day in the following week, like you you've openly said that you um you tweak your website kind of every single day there'd be something that you change, something that you update, something that you um check or whatever else. And for me, I tend to do it more on a monthly basis. My website needs a whole overhaul. Listeners like do as I say, not as I do. Um, (laughs) As with all of these. But when it comes to keeping your website in good condition, are there things that, they, that we should be doing regularly? Are there things that um, always need to be looked at or are there any just kind of best practices where it's like, my website is up there, it's got my about page, it's got my services and it's got my contact. I'm not fundamentally changing any aspect of that. So what is it that I need to update?
1: The things I think more about maintenance is like when there's a big Google alg- algorithm change or I'm like always a little bit worried about speed. So I forgot the domain, but there there are websites you can go where you can like plop in your domain and it'll like check if it's too slow or too fast. Um, Google search console is good for that. It will just kind of let you know that everything's in working order. So I have a post on my blog called Your Website Launch is Not Your Wedding Day because my philosophy is that your website will always kind of be evolving because your business is always evolving. Your brand will change. You know, we all change and get new photo shoots done. You'll, I mean, almost every blog post, like this morning, I was sitting looking at my phone and I don't know why I was looking, but I read an old post and was like, there's a typo. There's a typo. Oh my God. So I was just then going on, opening the app on my phone and like changing typos that were like, from posts I did last year. So I don't have like a checklist or a process I go through. But I think it probably is a good idea every month, every quarter to just look at your site as if you are arriving at it at the first time. And if you need any changes, make those changes or hire somebody to make the changes for you.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great way of approaching it. I've also before got friends of mine to go through and shop my site as if they were a client, usually people who are like in a similar industry to me, because then it helps me find someone not only looking at it with fresh point of view and objectively from like a consumer point of view, but they also know from my side of things kind of things to look out for that maybe I could explain better, maybe things that they would include. And that's been quite helpful. But yeah, I really love that tip of kind of shopping your own website as if it isn't yours. <laughs> yeah.
1: One thing I did do, um, you know, was we just moved into Q4 and I was sort of like, what, let me just look things over. And I, I'm a big story brand acolyte. So I went through and redid, not I didn't even redo. I tweaked all my messaging because I realized I now, you know, I had a really good, Base of clients from this year to go through and really look at the ones that I loved working with. And I went through like their forms that, you know, when they booked a discovery call, I went through their testimonials. I looked at the language they were using. I thought about them and I went through and like updated all my messaging on the homepage based on that. You know, I would recommend anybody doing that as your business grows and evolves.
0: Yeah, and that's a real great point as well is um, updating even every month with the new testimonials that you're gathering and pointing them through, um, making sure that those are up to date because those are going to be the things that help convert people from curious to customers, as I like to say. Uh, But yeah, that's a really great exercise as well is mirroring the language that you're having people when they're talking about your business and mirroring that in the messaging that you're using within your business because it's reaffirming every time that someone comes into contact with your business that there are similarities as you're going through yeah you can weave it in with the testimonials that you're having so that you're reflecting the language back at those people it's such a powerful selling tool yeah And it really is. Perfect. So when it comes to, I think this is going to be the last bit before we kind of start to wrap up the episode. But when it does come to launching, we've talked around how it doesn't have, I love what you said then, that your launch day isn't your wedding day. I'll definitely link that blog post because I think I've always approached it from launching a website for me is like this big deal because it's something new. And usually because I've put a huge amount of work into it. And it's really made me think that actually... It's, it is more about the client and the audience, but there is still that marketing drive where you can get that information and get that content and kind of um, really get that focus on the fact that you're driving people to your website. So what would be your top tip on keeping people on your site? Is there something in particular that works really well?
1: Again, I think if you have content on your website that addresses things your ideal client is interested in, That will be a big driver and surface that content in multiple places. So you can like in, I'm sure you can do this and show it in other platforms, but you can take out like a subsection of blog posts and put that in like different pages. And you know, I'm working on a proprietary method I call WGS. Write good shit. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding, it's not proprietary, but I you know years ago I went to a blogging conference and everybody was talking about sponsorships and this and that. And I was like, what about good writing? And I got a lot of blank stares, but the blogs that I really spend a lot of time on, the websites, they'll have good stuff. Like the people I go to marketing, they're writing content that I really want to read. And Google looks at that. It looks at how long you're spending on a website. And, you know, it just has to be a nice pleasing, attractive place to be. Nobody wants to use a broken website or it can't be janky and, you know, slow loading and all that stuff. But I I think the key to that is just really good content spaced out well throughout the site.
0: When it comes to your blog post, this is complete su- aside, but I'm really curious because blogging such a big part for you. Um, do you post regularly? Do you have like a blogging schedule? Or is it more like when you come across something that you feel is gonna connect with your audience, you create it?
1: I post twice a month. I'd like to do more, but I have a four year old and just everything, but I'm pretty religious about that. And I used to have a content schedule, but then I moved to the model of a content well, which I like a lot mm. better. And that's not, you know, on this date, I'm going to post about that, but I'll post, I have a list of topics. um, And then kind of what I feel like writing about, I'll pick from those. Um, I also try to mix it up because some are very strategic. Like I found a long tail phrase that is, I should probably write a blog post about, but I just noticed on my blog, it's getting to like how to find a web designer, three things you need on your website. And like, that's all fine and good. But every now and then I have one where I do not worry about SEO. I do not care. I have a, an old post on my website about how I quit my day job, my corporate job. And I just had a booking three weeks ago because the woman read that whole post and said, I totally related to everything you said in there. And I know you're the right. And I've never, I had one discovery call. That's not true. But, um, and she booked just like, cause she got a sense of who I am through that writing. And so Um, That wasn't your question, but so something. No, no, no. I love that. If I have, if, you know, just something I got to say, I like to mix in those kind of more human posts um, that are related to what I'm doing, but aren't the, you know, this will get good, this will rank on Google.
0: Kind of post. I think that that's really important anyway. And that's a really important point that I don't hear talked about very often, which is a lot of our website is always talked around the content needs to be strategic, it needs to be SEO driven, it needs to be connected, it needs to be what the customer and client needs to hear in order to help move them along the buyer's journey. But actually, interspersing that with content that is very human and very much from you as an individual, not just your tone of voice. But storytelling, like you were saying, and from you as an individual, as opposed to you as a business owner can be incredibly powerful. And yeah, I don't see that talked about nearly often enough. It's always like, be strategic. You're about about you, it's about your clients. That can be very difficult to try and wrap your head around when, yeah, actually having a blog or resources or whatever it is you want to label it as like having those personal aspects and those personal stories. They absolutely do have space on your website if you make the space for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. That. I'm going to have a proper dive into your website later and read your blogs. <laughs> Great. Perfect. So let's wrap up the episode there because I think we've got so much content in there. You can hear notepads being scribbled on across the Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) So from everything that we have discussed today, what would be the one key piece of advice that you'd like to share with the listeners for them to take action on in relation to their website?
1: It's kind of touching on
0: what I said about your website launch is not your wedding
1: day. Really do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Done is better than perfect. This is kind of my modus operandi is don't let your perfectionism stop you from just getting started. It will evolve. And sometimes you need to just get something watched to get clarity about how you need to change it. Don't just try and get it perfect in your head before taking action.
0: I love that. Sometimes we only know what we want when we've seen what we don't.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, Eleanor. Where can the listeners find more of you online?
1: They can find me at my website, Eleanor Meyerhofer, E-L-E-A-N-O-R-M-A-Y-R-H-O-F-E-R.com. Um, that's what you get when you marry a German. Same name at at in Instagram, and I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's my main platform, and so it's just the LinkedIn is my name.
0: Perfect. So listeners, I'll put all of those links in the show notes. You can go and connect with Eleanor, read her blog post, check out her LinkedIn post because I think that that's where we actually met, wasn't it on LinkedIn? So be sure to check out those links in the show notes. And thank you so much for all of your insights today, Eleanor. It's been fantastic. And listeners, be sure to come back here on Thursday where Eleanor would be sharing her business journey so far in her brand story episode. So until then, I'd love to know how you feel about your website, what action you're going to take today to improve it just one little bit. And let us know in the conversations over on our community on Instagram, all the links in the show notes, and I will see you in the brand lounge.